The Dot Connectors, brought to you by Omnia Global. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our next episode. And this one's a fun one. I mean, they're all fun, but this one in particular, I had a really good time recording this with the CEO of Diply. And Diply is a social news website published by the parent company Go Viral. And they build communities through share-worthy content. The CEO, Taylor Ablett, who was an absolute dream to interview, wise beyond his years, talks all about the highs, the high highs and the low lows of his journey as an entrepreneur, going back to his days at high school and how he kind of quashes a lot of the assumptions about entrepreneurs. There is lots of takeaways, whether you're a budding entrepreneur or you're rising up through the ranks. And most of all, remember to rate, review and subscribe after you've listened. Enjoy. So Taylor, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Lauren. You're very welcome. And obviously, being particularly nosy, where are you in the world right now? Give me something glamorous. Given you're an entrepreneur, I'm expecting glamour here. Go on, hit me with it. Where are you? Um, actually, it's actually beautiful here. We're, I'm here in London, Ontario, Canada. So it's a city it. about two hours west of, of Toronto. And uh, yeah, it's uh, we're still kind of bunkered down here with all the COVID stuff going on. But uh, yeah, it's a good time of year for sure. Good and a good place to be, even despite all the COVID malarkey. We're we're very hot here uh, in the UK at the moment. Which, um, if you've met some of us Brits, like the weather can't win. Like if it's raining, we're moaning. If it's hot, we're moaning. So if you speak to any Brit right now, we're done. We're over it. Yeah. We've had our six days of summer. That's it. Just rain. Yeah, please. no, I get, I get, I get the opportunity to get out there a little bit. We've got a an agency out in Liverpool, actually. So ah. uh, we get to come across the pond uh, once every couple of months, usually with uh, when when life's kind of normal here. So I love getting out there. It's a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. Well, look, let's move on from the weather, obviously, and and everything that goes with it. Being a Brit again, typical question. But let's get let's get into you. So Taylor, tell me a little bit about your background leading up to the formation of Diply and for the benefit of our listeners we'll talk a bit more about Diply in a moment and what what it is but your background I have a feeling that you quash the typical assumptions around entrepreneurs you know that they aced high school not suggesting you didn't but you know that kind of superstar come from lots of worlds you know and the luck was just all there at the right time I just have a feeling having spoken to you before you kind of quash some of those assumptions so so tell me a bit about your background yeah, no, of course. So, um, so grew up here in, in Canada. Um, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, so kind of got to experience that at an early age of what entrepreneurship's about and kind of learned a little bit of, about that from my dad. But uh, yeah, it wasn't the typical probably startup story that you hear um, in the movies in Hollywood. I, uh, you know, I, I struggled with school. So um, I, I kind of say I think that was one of my my defining moments uh, as uh, as an entrepreneur was actually very early in life when uh, you know in grade one or two I think they were thinking of holding me back because I couldn't read at that point uh, and uh, so that the, you know always had to work really hard harder than probably most people and uh, and so definitely probably not always like the smartest that person in the room if you want to say that but uh, smarter in different ways I would say but. Uh, you know, always had to like work harder and, and uh, went to school here um, in Canada, um, ended up specializing in entrepreneurship and, and, and finance. And, um, 
And uh, yeah, our stories, it's, it's I, I, you know, speaking with other entrepreneurs, I, I think it's typical in the fact that it's, it's unique and different. Like I think our, our startup money, I was, it's, it's funny, it's great to do these like podcasts and think back a little bit about, you know, how you started up, but our initial $50,000 that we raised, um, I, 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 we raised it through the bank, but we raised it in a completely different way. I, like I ended up calling my bank at the time I had this, um, accounting job, like completely different than entrepreneurship, of course, but like, it's this boring job, but it was secure and, and like the banks are willing to, uh, to, to kind of lend you money if you're, if you've kind of got this, this, this job. And, and uh, I knew I was jumping into entrepreneurship. I was about to start Dipley. And uh, before I jumped into that, I remember one of my, my banking guys saying like, listen, once you become an entrepreneur, you're not going to be able to get any financing for years because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's this risk, risk factor with that. And so I ended up calling my banker and I was like, uh, I, I need to, uh, I need to get a loan. And they're like, for what? And at the time I kind of lied. I was like, oh, I'm getting married, which wasn't <laughs> the case. And uh, they're like, well, how much do you need? And I'm like, well, my, my wife's got very expensive taste. So like, <laughs> So, uh, so I ended up getting like $50,000 from them unsecured. Um, and the funny thing is it was happening just as I was leaving. So they ended up calling my, my boss that I I was working for, but I had already actually left like the week before to like validate the loan and stuff. And so he was a great guy. He ended up, uh, he ended up, uh, having my back there and and that was our actual startup money. We had, we scraped like 50 to $70,000 together and, and, in a in a unique way and and that was that was how we got started so so definitely not the traditional coming from you know a a place where uh you know we come from the big schools and all that kind of stuff so that's one of the reasons why i love entrepreneurship i think i think Mm. all entrepreneurs come in different shapes and sizes so for anyone like listening from i don't know who your regulator is in in canada like i hope you paid that money back (laughs) and and he is settled down now i'm not sure if he's married but so it wasn't wasn't technically untrue but he's 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 fine we're we're, we're sorted that was years ago but no that's a brilliant story you know and and i think it's it's the downside i suppose to being an entrepreneur that you know you've got the guts, you've got the willingness, you've got the passion, but everything in the kind of the world where you you have to, you know, buy that house, you have to kind of, I guess, grow up at the same time, it kind of hinders you and pushes you back. And I guess a lot of entrepreneurs go, well, I'd like to do this, but I have to do this. And that this have to probably doesn't have a whole load of passion in it, which, you know, I guess it does help, doesn't it? That if you come from money, but equally, if you find a way to to, to get that first seed of funding, however unethical that is, <laughs> who cares? I mean, you know, and you you mentioned um, a chat just, uh, I know you alluded to it when we, we had a catch up about um, borrowing some money off of your dad. Yeah. So we, we um, so after, after we kind of got that initial little bit of money started, we, we were just kind of playing a little bit. So we were, we're growing social audiences on Facebook and over a short period of time, we grew to a few million fans. And, and at that time, Facebook wasn't providing a means for monetization. And, and so naturally we're like, well, if we could build the product outside of the walls of Facebook, we could, you know, use these audiences that we were building to, to, to make money. And so, so that was, that was the crux of, of, of it all. And, and so we, we started that way and we got into development and, um, in a short period of time, we were running out of cash. So that initial 50 grand that we got from the bank kind of went pretty quick. And, 
And uh, so who do you go to early on? It's your friends and family. And so, um, so yeah, we, we, my, my dad being an entrepreneur, my, my business partner and I thought, well, let's, let's pitch them and see, see if they, if they want to, uh, if, if they'd like to invest. And so we put a pitch deck together, we suited up, we went up to Sudbury, wow. Ontario and, uh, and, and pitched my dad and my mom in a 20 minute presentation, uh, or we thought a 20 minute presentation turned out to be like an eight hour whiteboard session of us like, <laughs> like drawing out the model. And my dad's very traditional. He's, he's in, he's in manufacturing and, and, uh, and so like after eight hours, he still didn't understand like really what we were talking about. And, uh, and, uh, I remember him even saying at the time, he's like, listen, I don't really understand what you guys are talking about. Um, and one of the things I know is whatever you guys are planning now is probably going to be different in two or three years from now, mm-hmm. but, um, I'm going to invest in you guys. And, and I think that's, I, I think that's an important thing early on for any entrepreneurs or any investor looking to, to put money in an entrepreneur. It's, it's not, it. The idea is important, but it's it's really the entrepreneurs you're investing in at that stage. And 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 uh, he said that. And uh, and uh, you know, picking who you invest in and who you partner with early from whoever you take money from is is super important because there's always those expectations, regardless if it's friends or family or institution. And so, so yeah, we were very fortunate to get a bit of startup money there, and and that was just as we were launching the site. So this is like November of 2013. And uh, that gave us a bit of cushion because we were running out of that initial seed, um, initial money that we had. And and um, but fortunately, we we didn't even have to go into his his uh, his investment. We were we were cash flow positive after 30 days at Dipley, and wow. and they kind of were off to the races. But uh, I always kind of tell my dad it was it's the best investment he ever made. So of course, we ended up actually paying him back in in, in 12 months. But uh, but yeah, wow. no. It was, uh, it was uh, it was great to have uh, great to have the family support for sure. Definitely, don't tell my dad that you paid him paid your dad back because I never paid my dad back, and he's always like Laura, <laughs> and I'm like, let's not talk. I just won't sit in a room with you on my own because you'll bring up all that money that I owe you. But anyway, um, and I love the fact that he made you pitch to him, and and I think it's really really uh, a really strong point actually around you know, if those closest to you, um, obviously they will know you and love you and know what you're about, but equally with an idea, it's probably always not a bad thing actually to sit there and for somebody to go, I don't get it. Tell me again, let's refine. I don't get it. I call it the alien test. If an alien landed on earth today and you pitched to them, would they understand it? Or, or sometimes I call it the idiot. I'm the idiot this is the idiot test I don't get it and yeah. I think there's something around a family member because they can be brutal with you whereas I can imagine you know in the early days certain people are like, oh my god like they totally bind to your buzz but equally as you say it's about you and if someone's going to make it happen it will be you and if you haven't got the right personality then it could be the best idea in the world right but it might not fly but th- just quickly for oh, the purpose sure. of our listeners listeners Tell me, pitch to me now, Taylor. Dipley, what is Dipley all about? What do you do? So, so we're an online publisher um, that started. Uh, that's got great social roots. So we started on social, growing, um, growing audiences, connecting with audiences, and, and bringing them content that um, that they could relate with. And, and then share with their friends and family. And so back 10 years ago when we were starting, Facebook was still in its infancy. Like, I think we sometimes forget that Facebook's only 17 or 18 years old. So um, so they were like the tsunami that took over the, the internet. And um, 
we were kind of riding on the back of that tsunami and, and, and being a great partner for them, which provided, you know, three entrepreneurs in Canada that never grew a, a media company um, into, into a global player. So we create content in different categories from, from DIY to motherhood, uh, entertainment. Uh, we've got about 10 channels under the, the Diply umbrella. Um, so if you, if you go on social and you check us out or you come to our website, diply.com, you'll just see part of our, our, our brand. We've got these other great brands underneath that that we've been investing in um, heavily over the last uh, five to 10 years. Brilliant. And I definitely, when I when uh, Daniel, our CEO, said, oh, you're interviewing Taylor, CEO of Diply. I was like, I know Diply. Uh, probably because I'm sort of, you know, of that age that was definitely there, front runner with the whole Facebook uh, vibe. But it's it's incredible what you've done. And, you know, we've spoken about that world as well. It's just, it's hugely exciting. And we'll talk a bit, a bit later about the, you know, the influencers and, and how they're kind of just, it's, it's just a world within a world within a world. It's bonkers, isn't it? And, and it's, it's amazing that you got in there early doors and you carve that, that area and then you've diversified, which obviously is another uh, big part. Talking, obviously it can't have been all sweetness and light. There's got to have been some highs and so possibly, and not sounding kind of slightly slightly sadistic, some lows, you know, that's life, isn't it? It's not mm. all highs. I mean, talk to me about some of the highs and some of the lows that you've experienced along your, your journey. Yeah, I, I spoke a little bit about it, like how we kind of came out of the gates quick. And and that was because we we solved the means of how to, like our bleeding neck wound, I like to call it, was was monetizing social audience. So we we had this great audience and then we knew how to monetize it. And in, in social media, um, the quickest way to growth is working with others. I always ask that. So if anyone's listening and wants to apply for our, one of our social media roles, it's like that's one of the questions we always ask is like, how do you growth hack? How do you how do you grow your audience? And and many people will say, oh, oh you need the, great, the best content and it's about branding and staying consistent. And it's like, oh, very traditional. It's like, nah, you're not the right one. It's it's actually working with others. It's like you can have the, the worst I'm trying not to swear on this podcast. So you can have the worst, the, the worst content. And if you have an influencer or creator that wants to share that content, I can tell you that that post is probably going to go go viral or get more distribution than the best piece of content you you produce. So we always kind of say like, if if people aren't seeing it, then it doesn't matter. And so working with others is 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 is, is something that we you know we we worked on we worked on heavily. And and so by solving that ten years ago. Um, what we ended up doing because we worked, we worked with so many other creators as we were growing our social audiences, we started to provide this product and service to them. So we would go to them and say, Hey, you've got this great, um, great audience. Why don't you let us create content for you? Why don't you let us help mm -hmm. monetize it? And then we'll do a rev share on the back end. And, uh, that was, that was like the one to many relationship that we were able to create and allowed us to grow from, you know, zero to over a hundred staff in three years. And, and, and wow. so that was, that was an incredible ride. I would say there was many highs. We were kind of like, you know, in that river that didn't have many rapids and it was moving really, really quickly. Mm. And, uh, so some people will say you're lucky, and I think luck is a big part of it. Like I think, it, you know, being at the on the right platform at the right time then and kind of, but we also, you know, took advantage of that opportunity as well, right? And and so so during that time it was it was great. You win all the accolades and and you grow your network and 
you're kind of the bell of the ball and everybody wants to, you know, wants to be a part of you. Right. And so things are just easier when in the high times mm-hmm. from recruiting to, you know, raising capital, all that kind of stuff. And so, so I would say from, from 13 all the way through till about 17, it was just all highs. There wasn't many lows, um, you know, and then, uh, but we've, but like as any entrepreneur in many journeys, we've now experienced many of the lows. And uh, in our market, it's it's you've you've got to continue to evolve um, your product and service offering. And and back in eighteen, um, we got hit really hard. So we uh, we were probably about a hundred and eighty five staff at the time. And in two thousand eighteen, we almost lost the business. So we went wow. from about one hundred and eighty staff to thirty in a matter of uh, a matter of twelve months. And and uh, candidly, I wasn't even sure if we were going to be able to pull it off. And so uh, we did knock on wood and and we're off the bat. We've come we've come through the kind of valley mm-hmm. of death there and and uh, kind of like earned our stripes, I would say, mm-hmm. since since 18. So and uh, and like lots of learnings through that time. So when people like I think the media likes to cover the highs and lows. I remember like they would always cover us when we were growing like gangbusters and we're like the fastest growing company in Canada and they love to talk about us. Um, and then on the lows, they love to get in there and say, okay, Dipley, you know, they, they messed it up. It was like, you know, they, you know, and, and, and it's that middle ground. I feel like you get all your learnings. And so, mm. you know, coming back together, um, pivoting our model, making sure that, um, we were able to sur- survive was was what I'm most actually proud about, and mm-hmm. those were the hardest times um, as an entrepreneur and and personally as well. Like you you you, you go through these lows and 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 you don't know if you're going to make it out, and it's very lonely at the top as well when you're when you're kind of yeah. going through these things. And so so uh, now looking back, um, um, it's great to to kind of see how I've grown as an entrepreneur, how our business and the, the leaders in our company have grown. And and uh, that grit and tenacity, I think, is our, our superpower as we kind of move forward here, um, 2021 and, and beyond. So so lots of lots of up and, up and downs. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, look, that was 2018 and we've just had, we're still having the old COVID you know, a huge blip and huge kind of turn us upside down. And, and you're here, you know, you, and, and assuming you haven't had the same type of effect, otherwise you wouldn't be here. That resilience that you built in 2018 has probably, you know, obviously the world went online overnight anyway, but it just proves, I think, when you get those knocks in life, the only failure is not through not learning from them, right? Because there will always be knocks that are going to come, you know, try and tackle you inadvertently. And you've just got to go, I know this, I've done it once, we'll, we'll, we'll navigate it again. And we'll talk a bit later about, you know, having business partners as well, because it's, it's lonely at the top. And, you know, probably you've had that, that connection still, whereas, you know, if you are just one person, and one person throughout, that's, you know, you're making the decisions, you're taking the punches, obviously not quite literally, or hopefully not literally. And you just got to keep fighting, haven't you? So, you know what, hats off to you. you you're here and, and yeah, you should be, I'm sure you are doing public speaking about resilience and strength. I assume you are. 
Well, it's it's kind of funny when like COVID hit, it was like managing through crisis is like the the topic, and I've got all these people asking me, "Well, you turned <laughs> it around in eighteen, so why don't why don't you start to like give some advice to some of these uh, or some of your stories to these uh, to these other entrepreneurs?" And so, so yeah, I, I feel like even like preparing ourselves for COVID, um, mm. it, it it helped us that we went through that trauma, I'll call it, in, in eighteen, and yeah. um, and and kind of prepared us for that. And I always say that, like, if if we wouldn't have had that that big event in 18 where we would have like we had to cut the business down, um, get things stabilized, if, if we would have kind of just been chugging along and then COVID would have hit, mm. I don't think we would have I don't think we would have made it. It was it was like five or six months just before COVID that we really started to get our feet um, underneath us again and yeah. start to scale back up and get back into growth. And um, last year was our most profitable year of all wow. time. And I say profit because we weren't just chasing the numbers and the growth yeah. anymore. It was, it was more back to the business fundamentals and being profitable yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, like, again, like you said, if you, if you go through these things, the next thing you go through isn't as hard. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I think, I, I think though, if you're not learning, then, you know, it's, it's not worth it. So I also, yeah. one of my other buddies who, who, who's, who we, we go back and forth, he's like, yeah, but you, you'd rather not have gone through that. You know, you got to chalk it up to learnings. And I guess he's right in a way as well. So He is. And, you know, as as sadistic as this sounds, I always think our path is, um, or hippie as it sounds, our path is probably mapped out. We just don't realise it. And it's just a case of rolling with it and going, it's going to get better. It's never going to get, you know, when you hit that bottom, it's, you're at the bottom. And, you know, someone said to me the other day as well about emotions. You know, I think there's a misassumption that entrepreneurs are emotionless. They have to be to be able to survive but I imagine you're going through all the emotions, but the good news is emotions change, you know? And so when you are in that low point, you know, you're in a place now and it's, you're probably not in the dizzy heights of starting out for the first time, but you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting the vibe. So, you know, I think there's, there's so many lessons and I'm glad you're out there speaking to people. The thing I wanted to just touch on, um, now is, is about funding. So you mentioned obviously, um, you went to 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 the bank manager back in the day. Then you you borrowed some money off 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 your good old dad. And there's loads of routes if you're an entrepreneur to take, but those two kind of friends and family, and then you know investors. What if you could kind of give us some worldly wisdom? What's your view on on all things funding? Like, what are the kind of the the must the must dos and the definitely don't dos that that you've you've acquired through your journey? Yeah. Um... I think I, I think it's a personal question for for every entrepreneur. Like I think every situation, regardless, like depends on like what product and what market you're in and who your your competition is. Like I think the funding model um, evolves. I, I think for me personally, um, the thing I learned is is that anyone who gives you money, there's an expectation on you, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I spoke a little bit about the the the, the family round that we did. Um, we did an institutional round in 2016. Um, fortunately for us, we kind of skipped our seed funding due to the fact that we were profitable. Um, so we were about 100 staff um, when we did our first institutional round. And um, I remember I remember doing it and having the conversation with our aunt, like with our with my other founders and saying, OK, guys, like if we're going to take this money, like we got to go for it. And at that time, BuzzFeed had just raised a half a billion 
Um, we were second to them in online entertainment. So to compete, we felt like we, we needed to, you know, raise some capital. We were still profitable at that time too. So it was like, we kind of didn't need the money, but we felt like we needed it due to the like external factors and, and like vice had raised that over a few billion. And it was just, it was kind of a crazy world for media. Cause I think like these social platforms were giving so much distribution and no one really knew where the value was laying. So, so we went through with the, with the institutional round. Um, and we did that to kind of bridge ourselves for a, for, for a big round. But I still remember having that conversation with those, with my, with my founders and saying, okay, guys, we will, we got to really, we really got to go for this now. We're going to do mm-hmm. it. And, the time we're in our twenties and we're like, well, what else do we have to lose? So like, let's do it. And it was, it's an exciting time. And you see all these, yeah, you, you see all these stories online about funding and everybody thinks it's great, but again, it's that expectation that kind of comes with it. And the mindset I think changed greatly in, in 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 16 when we did take money. So it was like, it was a little bit more of a, like a grow at all cost, And, mm. and, and, you know, we hired so many more people so fat, like so much quicker um, and it worked for a period of time. I just, you know, reflecting now in 2020 hindsight's like a, a powerful thing, but if we would have just continued on like the more fundamental path and push profits and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and accumulated that cash because cash is so important. Um, and if you've got a business that's already accumulating, it's like, well, then why get someone else's money? Um, that opens up doors and opportunities for you. And so, so the institutional round did change our, our mindset, um, but it also brought some really good stuff. Um, it, like it brings rigor and, and, and standardization to your, you know, to your management team. And, mm-hmm. and I think those things are good and, and it opens up connections and doors and obviously the capital. So I think it all depends on, on, on your position and, and who you are and what you're trying to do. For me personally, I, my, my new mandate is grow a profitable business. It's mm-hmm. like funny. Everybody laughs. It's like, well, actually, that's what all entrepreneurs should be doing. And I think we've forgotten that a little bit in the last ten to twenty years. And and only take money if I need to. And and yeah. and so um, so I've changed that. I I I don't feel with like with with Dipley and where we are right now that we're going to go up that institutional um, kind of path right now mm-hmm. or continue on that path. Um, but uh, but again, everybody's situation is different. If you know if you're going after a big marketing, you need a ton of capital then your mindset has to be different yeah and I guess it goes back to the old school principles that your dad hence why you were you know whiteboarding for eight hours with your dad you know it's it's profitability and if you've got cash is king right but I guess is that do you think sort of when you're growing exponentially you know kind of and particularly if you're a young entrepreneur you you guys were in your 20s so young this sort of pressure to kind of as us Brits say keep up with the Joneses you know do what everyone else is doing would you say just stay in stay in your lane obviously you've got to be mindful of what everyone else is doing but just think you know profitability you know grow it's it's difficult isn't it whether you grow sort of at, at a decent pace or you go for it but would you say sort of just forget what everyone else is doing just focus on that profitability piece yeah i think i think it's trust your instinct mm. uh, again and it, i think it's it, every it's so personal so uh, yeah. it's hard for me to just blanket statement it, but it, it is so personal. And 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 I I feel like um, when you're thinking about who and how you want to raise money, it's that expectation and who gives you the money matters so much. Um, mm. So we went through um, you know a, you know I'll call it cash, catastrophic event. It was it was a big one. Like you know the 
the size we were to where we were in a matter of 12 months, most companies weren't, wouldn't be able to survive. Part of the reason why we did survive is because we had built up that, that, that kitty of cash and we were able to self fund ourselves out of it. So, so that, that's important. And I remember like, like our, one of our, one of my, my, my directors, um, great guy. And, and he, he put the largest amount of money into our business. And, and when I went to him about, you know, the restructuring and all that kind of stuff. He's like, Taylor, I invested in you. Whatever you do, I support you. Whatever you're going to do, just do it quickly. And, yeah. and, and I've seen this happen, like, you know, cut deep, cut deeper than you think, you know, manage and, and provide some really good support and, and help me from a business perspective, but also personally, like he was checking in on me and, and, and all that. So like, he was, he was great to have alongside me, um, but you don't always get that with the institutional guys. And I've had other investors in the Dipley group that didn't put as much money in, um, don't have the same rights and gave me like the worst time possible through it, like stress on stress and fighting me through like the smallest of things. Um, and, and when you're trying to just, you know, you know, keep the business afloat, that's the last thing you want. So, so yeah. I, I really encourage you to like, do your, do your back, do your homework, check into these investors speak to other portfolio companies that they put money into, like get mm-hmm. to know the investor beyond just the money. And, and that, that, that's like one of the most important things I would say, because I feel like when times are good, people who have yeah. given you money, it's easy. It's when t- things go bad, that it becomes really tough and hard. And that's really where you find where your friends and family are. Right. And, and, and even, even, even in work, it's like, you know, when you're the, again, I said at the bell of the ball, like everybody yeah. wants a piece of you, but like, okay, you know, who's staying connected with you after you've gone through the shit, mm. you know, and, and investors are the same way. So I think it's important that you know who, who you're getting your money from for sure. Completely. And I, you know, there could be that, oh my God, someone wants to invest in me. I'll just take the money and run. But actually, no, you know, somebody said to me before, you know, you spend as much time doing your research and due diligence on investors as you would do picking a life partner, right? You know, you're not going to, well, you never know quite what you're saying until you're in it. But equally, you know, you kind of go, well, look, if there's a back history here and all, you know, knowing yourself and how you best work, if you're not somebody that likes to be micromanaged with somebody breathing down your neck, you know, if somebody might have all the cash to invest, but if that is their nature, which is to really kind of try and control and manage, it's just going to make you miserable and it's going to just take the fun out of it. So no, great, great advice. We spoke a little bit earlier about, um, you know, founders that go it alone and, and obviously you've got three co-founders is that right yeah they're they're we call ourselves the three amigos uh, (laughs) two two other partners um and uh and we bring all different skill sets to the table so started the business with um with dean um he was a friend of mine from from university and um we were the we were kind of growth hacking and 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 growing social communities very early on um and then when we kind of grew up a little bit and said, okay, this is actually a business opportunity and I'm going to quit my accounting job and we're going to go and do that. Um, we were missing, we were missing like the product and technology expertise. And, and so that's where our, our third business partner came in, Gary. And so we partnered with a, a development company early on before we launched and he was the CTO of that company. And, and I remember Dean and I like pitching him about social and all this kind of stuff. And he had experience growing platforms. And I could remember even like the light bulb going off. And, 
and uh, and and a great friendship and partnership um, for the the three of them. So, so yeah, we you know going at it alone is is uh, is is difficult, and I think there's advantages of 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 of, of running a business on your own. The fact that you're probably cap table is is skewed towards yourself and and all that kind of stuff. But mm. I I love the fact that 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 I had business partners and, and an ability to share those experience on the highs and the lows. And, and, and it's, it's way more fun celebrating with others. Um, and then also when you're on in the low, low times, it's like, it's nice to have a business partner to just like vet vent with. And it's like, mm. Hey, like this happened. And I like, I've had it multiple times with both partners. It's like, okay, this happened. And it's really shitty. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, you know, they can't do anything about it, but I'm just sharing it so that we can share that stress together. Right. Yeah. And you see it with um, different funds now, like if you look at 500 startups, like they will only invest in, in, in companies that have multiple founders because it, oh. it increases the chances of, 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 of the, the probability of success, right. You're, yeah. you're betting on more than just one horse. Right. Yeah. And um, I don't think we would have got to the level we did without the three of us together. And, mm. and so, um, so yeah, big, big fan of, of doing it together with others. I think picking your, picking your business partners is, is also super important. Just don't go into business because they're your friend, right? You gotta, you, that, that initial, that initial founding group is so important. And your, your, your first, I would say hunt, uh, first 10 to 20 hires are also very, very important. Like it's not just the founders that you know get the business up on its feet and going. It's it's those 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 first those first employees. I call, I kind of call them our, your cultural co-founders, and, and like they're they're the they're the nucleus of, of your business and help mm. influence those others as you start to layer on more more people onto the business. So so yeah, like you're never gonna do it on your own, and so getting the right uh, group together early on is, is so important. I love it. You're you're so worldly and wise, Taylor. And I, I'm looking at you now thinking not that old, but I, I love listening to you. You've got so much to offer. And, and you know, all of these things, which I can just see young entrepreneurs going, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, he's my best or he or she's my best mate. That's a good grounding. And it's like, it can go the other way, right? You could end up not being friends, which would be a real sad outcome. And I'm sure sometimes, you know, they always say, don't, don't go into business with family or friends. But if you can make it work, you've got that key component, which is trust and if you've got yeah. trust you know you're flying right because you know they're not going to do you over for want of a better description and that you know hopefully both of you can take responsibility where where is appropriate um but yeah wow blimey you are you're old beyond your years i have to say taylor it's you you've 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 learned you know but equally you've learned the hard way from the sounds of it so that's no you know no thing to kind of jest about um but you know you're sitting again yeah actually these are the things I've learned, which I love, you know, love listening to. A term that I keep hearing you use, which I'm totally going to plagiarise for my own use, is growth hacking. Now, this is a big question coming now, because obviously it's it's pertinent to, to, to what the entrepreneur is, is you know, working on. But if, if it's the founder of a business and they're wanting to take their business to, to the next level, how could they possibly growth hack their way to success and success, let's say, meaning, you know, profile, not necessarily loads and loads of money, but profile mm-hmm. and, and that business is is growing. How, how would they growth hack their way to success? Yeah, big, big fan of the growth <laughs> hack. Um, 
And we had to grow that. Like, I don't think we had another option. Again, being three entrepreneurs from Canada that never ran a business, like media business before and, 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 and all that. So, um, so for growth hack, for me, like my definition of it is, 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 is taking on a challenge and doing it with less resources, but doing it through like intent, like very, being very intentional and testing and iterating and continuing to push, you know, I, I say the ball down the field here. And, and so it kind of starts with mindset. Like you have to, you have to envision that you can do it right? Like mm-hmm. you can actually go and do this. And I think many people get paralyzed. I think one of my, my favorite sayings is stop talking, start doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so get that, like, just believe in yourself and believe that you can do it. And then the next thing like we tend to do at Diply and, and what we did as a business is then build the battle plan, like put it on paper, like mm-hmm. take the time to do it. And the one thing that I'll tell you is that the plan that you develop is definitely not going to be the plan that it, it materializes to be, but at least you now have direction, right? Yeah. Um, and then the, the next point is, is like figure out what channels that you want to go into. Like, like I, the, the opportunity today is vast. You got the internet. It's like 7 billion or I don't know how many people are online now. It's probably two and a half billion people are now online, but it's, it's, it's a global marketplace, right? So how do you find your first consumer? How do you find those brand advocates that are going to want what you have and believe in what you have? And so for us, that channel was social and, you know, we've seen what's happened on that side. So again, I'm a big fan of like the digital space, but this, this is this, this, this growth hack can happen in any business. You could be, you know, a dentist and you could figure out, you know, coming out of school, how do I, how do I start my own, my own business and how do I get there? And, and, and it can be overwhelming if you think of the, the, the end result first. So don't yeah. go there, like envision it, plan it and, and, and believe you can do it. And then just start doing it, like, mm-hmm. like figure out what you want to do and then go out and do it, measure it and iterate. So like a big fan of like, just, you know, get like, I have an accounting background. So the numbers is, you know, I feel like is the language of business. So when you're putting the plan together, put the numbers there and, and when you test something or you put an investment into something, how much did that return? Did it return what you expected? And are you seeing momentum? And if, if so, that's great. How do I iterate it a little bit? And it's those baby steps that get you to the end result. Right. And so it's that test, invest and go and, and um, you see it all the time. Like you see these creators nowadays, like they've growth hacked, you know, their, their, their persona now. And you've got these 18 year olds that, you know, are multimillionaires and I, it's not about the money. It's not about the money, but um, many of them just, you know, are doing it with what a cell phone. Right. And, and so the opportunity is vast and it doesn't really matter your background or where you come from. I, I, I strongly believe you got the opportunity now. To, to get up and do it so so big fan of the growth hack big, yeah big great advice and and, and we, you just touched on the bonkers world of influencers another big question coming your way obviously you are you know deeply exists in one of the most exciting sectors right now and you've witnessed you know back in the day from kind of the facebook and now obviously we're insta tiktok you name it you know, that kind of mad world of, of, of young adults becoming influencers overnight and, and just you know, the unpredictability. And given, you know, also COVID, we've all just moved online and now we're kind of even, you know, going, well, do we need to go back to that in real life thing? You know, it's just, it's it's such an up and down world, the, the one in which you exist. Have you got any predictions for kind of the social media content world over, say, the next year or so? Well, 
in the next year, like what you mentioned on the creator side, like the creator community is here to stay. Um, mm. You're seeing it like, like in, in big strides, just even the last like 12 months, you see TikTok kind of like take the world by storm and, and all the other platforms are starting to cater their, 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 their product offering for these creators. And it's a little bit of a struggle for us media companies because it was us that used to hire these creators that would then we would, we would produce the content. Now they're kind of going directly to the creator. So they're kind of skipping some of the media companies. And so us media companies are actually starting to become our own creators and our own brands. And we got to be thinking more like creators than ever before. So big, big, I'm, I'm huge on the creator side. Um, it's part of what we were successful in way back in the day and and something we, we, we kind of stopped doing um, when we had to do our pivot in, in 18, but we're going to get back to it. So I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of the creator economy. I think it's, I think it's here to stay. I think if you're thinking about marketing an idea or getting your product out there, it comes back to like, you know, that network effect or who, you know, versus how good your product or what it is you have. Like it, it, it's both, you need a good product, but if you can amplify it through these creator um, communities, it's, it's, it's a great recipe for success. So huge fan there. Um, another prediction I would say is, um, content is going to continue, content consumption is going to continue to increase on, on, on social and online. Um, but the user attention span is continuing to decrease. And you're seeing that where like, um, these TikTok users, they're opening Mm -hmm. their app. You know, I, I just read a report that it's like 35 to 55 times a day. They're opening the app. And wow. they're spending an hour a day on this app for TikTok. Oh that's what average. That's the average consumer, right? So as someone that's trying to create content, how how are you creating the content? Because the content that was relating to a user in a news feed, which is a different mm-hmm. format, more or less than how TikTok surfaces their content, is completely changed. And that's only in a matter of a couple of years, right? So if you're doing the same thing you were doing six months ago, you're probably falling behind. And if you're doing the same thing you were doing, that's say, you know, 12 to 24 months old, you're probably, you're, you're probably not seeing any momentum and you're probably in, in a, in a bad spot. So, mm-hmm. so figuring out how you relate and attract those audiences and, and catch their attention really quickly. And, and, and so it kind of brings me to my last point my, my, I think, the, the last thing I'm high on is, is, is audio as a format, right? Yes. And, and it's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast today, but a big fan of audio, big, big fan of audio. And, and, and it gets back to that, that, you know, tension with the user and, 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 and their behaviors right now where, where it's like, well, like if I'm a creator or if I'm a publisher, how do I create content that people are going to just like look at and move on and look at and move on? Like I can't spend tens of thousands of dollars on a video Mm. Or like, you know, put in like tons of, tons of effort and production costs around, around a, a format now, because people aren't, they're not going to stay there. They're, they're not, you got to continue to hit them and continue to hit them. Well, the easiest way to do that is audio. Yeah. Like if you look at Clubhouse right now. I was going to ask you, are you on, I mean, I somehow got an invite. I don't know how, don't ask me who's, who gave me one, but what, what do you think <laughs> of Clubhouse? I quite like it. Yeah, I, I was so high on Clubhouse when it first. Like, I've been on it for for a while now. Um, loved it for the first couple months, yeah. and then cooled off, and then I'm back on it. So, yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm high on it as an as an app, and as as I, I think they've they've 
they've done an incredible job. Mm. Um, they got to over a billion dollar valuation with 13 staff, right? Wow. Like, talk, talk about a growth hack. Oh yeah. my so, God, that's incredible. Uh, that the chat. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter just offered them over a billion dollars. They were trying to get them for over a billion dollars. They're they're and they they're not selling now. I look at Clubhouse and they're a little bit of just a feature right now. Mm. Um, you know they're you know late to the game on the Android side. It was basically just iPhone yeah. um, for the longest time, and I know they're developing that. But um, so do do they partner? Should they partner? It's a question that they're they're uh, Paul. I forget his last name, but he's going to have to decide. Right. Mm. Um, because these other big platforms are seeing this and they're pivoting very quickly. Like Twitter's got their own audio format now. Um, so does Facebook. You know, they're 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 all coming out with it. Yeah. And so can they survive? Um, not sure. I'll, I'd like to if you asked me like three or four months ago, I would have been super high on them because yeah. I was getting so much value at the time and all that. It's just, you know, so. Um, I love it as a format, though. I really do. I think yes. I think audio and, and I think businesses should be thinking about, you know, launching a podcast, gaining influence through audio. Um, and it's 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 great. It's great content and it's super mm. cheap to, to produce. Completely. And it's, you know, obviously when we were commuting, you know, it's it's as you're messing about the house or commuting you know you can still be engaged you can multitask with it but you can I think weirdly you can get a greater sense of somebody's personality through audio compared to a video I don't know why because you think because you can see them but I think a lot of video creation you know it's kind of somewhat staged whereas audio it's like you've got to work harder to impress your audience so you're going to really try and convey who you are as a person I'm I'm all over it I love it and for me it's it's convenient but great predictions that's why, that's you. why you're so good at it Lauren <laughs> <laughs> it's also why no, I've got no makeup on today so it, but obviously I didn't have to tell everyone at that now they probably envision me as like this you know really dressed up lady no I'm so sorry to disappoint you listeners I don't look particularly good but you know what? hopefully I sound all right that's fine isn't it you can sit there in your pajamas and record audio and no one will ever know what you really look like really um final question who and we ask everybody this question because I always think it's a funny one and I, I expect an absolute stellar answer from you given all of your wisdom in life is there one thing that you wish you'd have known 10 years ago that you now know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think the big one is trust in yourself mm. and like your, that instinct in your belly is usually right. And if you do get on the opportunity and you start to get into this growth mode, um, r- really like really think about like, are you doing like, are you making the right decisions and are you, are you, are you making the decisions or is it someone else influencing them? Yeah. I remember when we grew so quickly at Diplay that we ended up starting to put like other people in these big roles, hiring these big execs. And, and I think those big execs in many ways were disconnected from the vision and the opportunity and, Mm -hmm. and, I think that was like the demise of us. If we would have just stuck to our our core and would have, you know, done things a little differently, we wouldn't have had to go through that epic collapse in 18 and and probably would have been in a different point now in my life. So mm. so looking back on it, if I could have if I could have spoken to that 25-year-old, you know, Taylor 10 years ago, I would have I would have I would have said, you know, like really stick to your guns and, and trust in yourself. And and so if there's any entrepreneurs listening out there, just you know. 
you are the reason why you made this opportunity successful. And so continue to believe in yourself. And if it doesn't feel right, because many of those I, I reflect on it and I'm like, kind of knew I shouldn't have done it, but I, I was like, I felt like these external pressures. And when you're young and you're, you know, you don't have that, that, that tool set that you kind of build as you go through these experiences. I, I feel like uh, I wouldn't, I, I, I don't regret a single thing though. Like I'll say this, I don't regret a single thing. I just mm. will do it differently next time. So that's well, that's it. a good thing. I don't know, if that, I don't know thing. if that met your bar, Lauren, but <laughs> it did. Um, it did. You finished on a lovely note. Thank you. No, and and you're totally right. I, I feel like there's this. Um, I don't. I suppose it's like the buzz and the excitement of when you're growing as an entrepreneur. But the, then this feeling of oh, we've got to be grown up. We've got to be as us Brits say proper. You know. So therefore, we need these experts or so-called experts. We need all of this kind of securing the funding and it. You know, because that somewhat kind of proves your worth but actually the worth is as ever intrinsic to you guys and your beliefs and your passion and your mindset and and if it takes you that bit longer but actually you're more robust getting there and you feel like you're you're in control and I know people go oh don't want to be a control freak no there's a difference between control freak and feeling in control no one wants to be out of control but actually the message I'm hearing from you is you know forget obviously you need to be mindful of competitors but do it your way and do it the way that feels comfortable to you. And yes, it might take a bit longer. Yes, the press might not be fawning all over you. But always remember that they'll be the first to kick you when you're in the gutter, potentially. So right. do it your way, essentially, is what I'm hearing. And trust your gut. Exactly. Awesome. Lovely. Well, look, Taylor, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much for your time today. And sorry to um, to grill you, but it's been it's really worthwhile. So thank you. No, it's been a lot of fun and I appreciate you having me on. Good. Awesome. Well, look, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in once again. And uh, please remember to rate, review and subscribe and we will catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you.